Hey there, risers and thrivers, and welcome back to the second episode of this podcast. I'm back with a slight cold, so bear with me, but more importantly, a better microphone quality and a wonderful guest. For those of you returning, thank you so much for your continued support. And if this is the first episode of On the Up and Up that you're listening to, I really, really appreciate you tuning in. On this episode, I'm joined by Jacqueline Sue, and we're going to discuss her return to entrepreneurship after a 10-year hiatus to follow a quote-unquote more conventional career path, how she identified her North Star and how she uses it as her guide, and we're discussing failure, more specifically in the context of entrepreneurship and startups and how she coped with that. But first, let me introduce you to our guest. Jacqueline Sue is a three-time founder, mentor, educator, and angel investor with deep expertise in culture, creative, and the tech industries. With over 12 years of experience as a growth operator and brand marketer in the US, Europe, and Asia, she has spearheaded disruptive innovation campaigns and brands for the likes of Jay-Z and Rihanna. Today, Jacqueline splits her time between Berlin and New York City while she builds her latest venture, StarCycle, an AI co-founder for small and medium-sized businesses. So thank you for joining me on the podcast today, Jacqueline. Would you mind just taking a few minutes to introduce yourself? Oh, thank you so much. Um, it's so nice to be here. And I know you've talked about doing this forever. So I'm really excited that you thought of me to, to be a part of this. Um, so a little bit about myself. I grew up in Hong Kong. Right now I'm based kind of between Berlin and New York City. I've always been a very curious person and I love being at the beginning and I've just been very lucky to have a career that has allowed me to have so many transformative experiences doing very, very exciting things at, you know, at points of disruption. And I know that's a bit of a watered down phrase nowadays, but you know, when you think of social media and its impact on marketing, when you think of streaming and its impact on, you know, music and the recording industry at large and things like that, it's those you know, those milestones have all been a part of my career in some way or another. And I'm really grateful for all of those experiences. So, you know, everything from tweeting my way or on behalf of a brand, our way to, you know, Times Top 140 Twitter accounts back when Twitter had 140 characters only. um, And it was called Twitter. (laughs) Um, Or, you know, launching large scale music album launches for Rihanna and Jay-Z and Santi Gold, um, growing and scaling two startups. And, you know, just having been able to learn from all of those things has really given me that drive to be a part of disruption and what that really kind of means. And so I am, after all this time, really just a deep and true believer in the power of entrepreneurship, whether it's being an actual founder or just having entrepreneur real thinking. Um, and kind of its power and ability to transform people and the world around you. And apropos of that, right now I'm building StarCycle, which is an AI co-founder for small and medium businesses, and we actually just went to public beta last week. So it's been a pretty, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster. Yay, congratulations on that, though. I mean, Thank I know you. it's been a roller coaster, but that's super amazing that you're, you're getting started on this stride. And I was going to say, feel free to plug yourself if you need more beta users. <laughs> that's it. That's the only plug. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but I think that's really interesting, your whole journey altogether, right? Because you're you're a three-time founder at this point. Mm-hmm. That's a lifestyle, right? That being, <laughs> that's a lifestyle. That's that's beyond <laughs> the point of just being like, I'm a, I'm, I was a founder. No, like 
it's it's a life that you've chosen for yourself and Mm -hmm. when you kind of look back at your entire journey would you say that this you would have imagined that this is where you're at right now like was entrepreneurship on your radar to begin with honestly no um you know I grew up in a pretty traditional family in the sense that like you know I was expected to have a steady job with a steady path and you know you make good money you climb the ladder like all of those kinds of things and it's it was a pretty it is a pretty radical departure from from doing that and honestly the whole thing has just been really serendipitous I founded my first startup during my last year in in college so in uni um, in New York City and I, with one of my best friends, um, we co-founded a fashion tech startup that aimed to build a personal algorithmic shopping app for men. And the idea was that it would surface algorithmically curated outfits based on the users, like, you know, style preferences and calendar events, like where were they going? What were they going to do? And, you know, the, the weather for the day even. And so this was, to, to put it in context, about a decade ago. So over a decade ago. So, you know, we were a bit ahead of our time, I guess. But honestly, that was, you know, a, a little bit of a disproportionate response to, to an actual problem, which was a friend texting me asking for job interview outfit advice. And this was during fa- uh, finals week. And my, of course, very reasonable response was, let me build a company around that question. <laughs> and Easy bet. <laughs> exactly. So, um, I, yeah, I, I, I bribed one of my closest friends. Uh, her name is Jane, to join me. I, t- again, this was finals week. I was procrastinating hard. I was like, I'm going to build a company around a very normal text that someone text sent me. And I said to Jane, hey, um, if you join me for bubble tea, let me tell you about this thing I have an idea for. And that was how that, that was how it started. Um, and it was, again, very serendipitous. And, you know, we were both, we are both very open-minded, curious people. And so we kind of decided, hey, if we're going to do this, we might as well just throw ourselves at it and learn as much as we can. And so we entered the NYU Entrepreneurs Competition. Back then, we ended up in top 20. We didn't win, but we were the only undergraduate and all-female team to mm-hmm. to make it that far no mba in sight everyone else was like a stern like wharton la 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 all like super fancy accolades we're like we have no idea what we're doing here impressive um we also entered a hackathon which you know again the the theme kind of continues like you i look for fun in the strangest places so we entered a hackathon and we won we won a prize we didn't win and we did decide to step away about a year or so because we realized we were nowhere ready to run a company Mm. and we needed some actual life experience and the big question I kept coming back to was how can I lead something or develop something when I don't know what that looks like in practice so that was one of the main things that you felt like you needed to learn before you could even move forward with starting a company you you, you felt like you didn't have the the skills yet at that time exactly and you know and you know (laughs) partially to my parents relief I decided to get a quote-unquote real job and and again with with my with my family it's 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 a funny one because my the expectation for me and my brother and you know everyone else kind of quote unquote in my generation within the extended family the expectation was a linear path you know you're going to be an accountant or a lawyer or a doctor or perhaps one of those hybrids i don't I have no idea but um somehow 
I am an entrepreneur. My brother is an entrepreneur. Half of my cousins are entrepreneurs. And I don't, I couldn't tell you exactly how this happened, mm -hmm. but um, I like to think that my family is supportive. You know, my, my mom, she made an Instagram account just for the first time ever, for the record, um, to follow our new ventures. And I find yeah. that very, very sweet. But at the same time, I think it really confuses them that I don't choose a life of stability or, yeah. you know, safety. And honestly, I, I sometimes I agree with them. I don't know why I do this sometimes. But even taking it back to because you said that you didn't feel like you were necessarily ready at that time. Mm -hmm. and You need to get certain leadership experience. And how could you lead if you didn't even know how to do that? And so that put, prompted you into going more into the professional direction. Um, but do you because I was just talking to another founder um, and he was he was very much all about the just do it mentality. Mm -hmm. um, his name is Jonas. He's started his uh, business when he was 17. Mm. Right. And he just was like, just figure it out along the way. Mm -hmm. Do you think that if your family had been maybe a bit more supportive of you taking that entrepreneurial path that you would have maybe had a bit more of a just do it mentality about the business? Or do you genuinely feel like for yourself, you just knew that you needed to have certain skills or certain things in place before you would feel ready to be, be an entrepreneur? I think it was a multitude of things. I mean, definitely I was at a time in my life where I definitely needed the guidance or like put it mildly approval of my parents, I guess, um, mm -hmm. to, to take that leap. But it really just came to me as a very organic conclusion because I realized that <clears throat> I didn't have you know, by virtue possibly of also being a woman. And this was, again, 10 plus years ago. So the landscape looked a little bit differently back then. And so realizing that whether it came from myself or the power I could draw from my experiences or lack thereof, mm -hmm. I realized I didn't quite have the understanding and perhaps the gravitas to be able to pull something like this off because I think a big part of entrepreneurship is you know, you, you kind of need to believe your own hype a little bit. That's really, that's a, that's an essential part of, of it. Um, you know, that's kind of what helps orient you and helps keep you going. Like, if you don't believe in your company, you, if you don't believe in yourself, who will? Yeah. And I know when I was younger, as much as I believed in what we were building, the lack of experiences perhaps made that feel a little bit more hollow. And I don't, at this point, it's hard to tell whether I felt like it was hollow or I felt like the reception was hollow. But either way, it I don't regret going after, you know, what you would call a more conventional career path for 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 quite some time mm -hmm. and really being able to see what real leadership looks like, what product development looks like, everything that you can't learn in school, everything that you yeah. Could, you could learn the hard way, but I was like, I am going to see how it is done. And I I feel like I would not be here without any of those experiences. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I can I can relate to that also on a personal level because as I was speaking with the other founder and saying that I've been the type of person where just doing it doesn't necessarily work for me in the sense that I do feel like there are certain things that I need needed to learn or need to learn. And even just from a personal growth perspective, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you're saying that you founded this company back when, you were just finishing your, your bachelor's degrees mm -hmm. in NYU. So you, you were like maybe 20, 21-ish at that yeah. point, relatively young. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot that you're still figuring out at that phase. God, <laughs> like, yeah. let's be honest. Like, <laughs> there's a lot about, when I think back to me, I always say like, 
18 year old Janine versus 26 year old Janine, two different people. Like, Oh, hundred percent. I can't even cross compare us. The, the, the complete one eighties from one another. Um, so even just taking it back even a little bit, because it sounds like personal growth was a major aspect, mm-hmm. whether it was from a career perspective and personal level, but you also talk about the scene being somewhat different too. Yeah. Do you mind unpacking that a little bit? Yeah. So I think you could say that the conversations around what it's like to be an entrepreneur, especially as an underrepresented founder, um, that has really, I've kind of seen that evolve over time and how, you know, and I'm not, and of course the, there's always a caveat that there is so much work left to be done. And I don't think this work will probably ever be done. It it is just something that we will just keep chipping away at. Mm -hmm. But what really inspired me to, to give it another shot was seeing how far those conversations have actually moved the needle. And I think it's important to acknowledge that things have been improving. They may not be improving at the speed we want them to, but in my in my opinion, you know, progress is never linear. It it's always a little bit messy. It's it's it never arrives as fast as we would like it to. But to see something that was so hostile or relatively hostile and un, unwelcoming towards women, especially young women, young women of color, to fast forward, you know, within very much within a lifetime, within a generation, seeing that conversations are changing changing the way things are done and you know I just feel like that is something that needs to be celebrated and I I am really really thankful for everyone who came before me and before us who fought those really hard-won battles and you know the tide is turning in our favor I wouldn't say the war is won but you know, every little bit counts. And I, and I think that's, that's something that keeps me going every day and wants, makes me want to continue making a difference. Definitely. I mean, it's about taking in those small wins. Like, of course, like you said, the battle's not won. There's still a lot that oh, needs yeah. to be done. Like it's, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot, Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it has gotten better. Yes. And that's an amazing thing. And let's not take that for granted, right? We're not, yeah. there's so much that has been done. And so with that, the personal growth, both professionally on a personal level, the unfriendly ecosystem that you were in at that time, mm-hmm. the bit of pressure that you were also feeling family-wise, you decided to kind of follow a more, I wouldn't even say conventional career path because you've had quite a phenomenal <laughs> career path. <laughs> um, so let's like, would you mind diving into that a little bit? What, t- what guided you? What took you in that direction? Uh, what was your motivation? What did you do during that time when you were working professionally? <laughs> Ooh, so I arrived in New York because, you know, like any painting with a broad stroke here, like any other girl who arrives in New York when they're 18 or, you know, roughly around that age, I wanted to work in fashion. My dream job was, you know, Vogue. Like I wanted to do something at Vogue. I didn't know what it was, but something in that direction. And so throughout my college years, I put as much effort as I could towards making that happen. And I allowed that to guide a lot of my decision making. Um, But what I ended up realizing throughout internships, which by the way is an unsolicited piece of life advice, like internships and jobs are 
equally important to figure out what it is that you want to do, yes. but also what you don't want to do. A thousand percent. If anything, what you don't want to do. Exactly. helps you filter through real quick. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, when you start and you're like, oh God, there's like a thousand doors that I could potentially go through and, you know, through different jobs, different internships, different opportunities, really, you start seeing that, okay, this door is not the right one for me. And so I kind of started as, started as a process of elimination. And so after we both decided to step away from, from our startup, I joined a fashion label called Rebecca Minkoff, um, based in New York City. We did quite a few really exciting fashion week seasons. And I was very, very lucky to be in a position where our CEO gave, gave me the carte blanche to do whatever it was that I wanted if, or mo mostly whatever I wanted uh, when it came to digital marketing and social media, because it was such, it was kind of wild, wild west, right? Like, but this was before influencer was a term. This was before sponsored content was an idea. Um, you know, we were working with influencers. We were, we had digital media partners like for fashion week and all of these things were relatively unheard of at the time. And so I was very fortunate to have had those experiences to do something that genuinely had never really been done before. And piggybacking off of that experience when Rock Nation came knocking and they asked me very nicely to, to join them at, at the label where I ended up joining the digital marketing team and I was working with Rihanna and Jay-Z and some other amazing, amazing artists for, for quite a few years. And that was, by the way, exactly as exciting as it sounds. Like I still pinch myself say, every that time. That sounds dope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and what I really, really loved about my time at Rock Nation was the amount of opportunity that I was given to, to try new things. And you know, it was very much, you would think that it is a very corporate kind of environment, but at the time I was there, it was very much like startup, startup vibes. Um, there was always something that needed to be done. And, you know, it was also at the same time where record labels were really kind of grappling and reckoning with the impact and the disruption that streaming services were having on, on labels and in music careers in general. And so again, a very exciting time to be in music where everyone was trying to figure out what the new rules of the playground were, what the edges of the sandbox were. And so I also was able to say yes to a lot of things mm -hmm. that probably I wouldn't have been able to say yes to otherwise. And that's really when I started, you know, honing in on this idea of like, what is it that I actually want to do? Because in the past, it was just this vague idea of why I want to work in fashion, but slowly and surely I started chipping away at that. It was like, okay, it's the idea that I want to do something creative. It's the idea that I want to be in a place where I feel like I can impact something creatively. Mm. It's connecting with people. It's being able to empower and support other people. I've never really been someone who wants to be kind of in the spotlight, but I'm, I definitely want to be almost in like a, operational role yeah. to get someone to the next level and that slowly started becoming what what drove me that's interesting i mean it's not so it kind of went from this vague i want to work in fashion which is pretty more or less concrete to mm -hmm. kind of co changing into your values 
or things yeah. that really speak to who you are as a person that started to drive you more? Yeah. So fashion, I would say fashion was probably shorthand for what I wanted to do, yeah. which I over time understood as, again, as I said, like being creative and, and connecting with people and doing all of these kinds of things. It's just, I think fashion was kind of the first thing I latched onto because it was something that I cared about when I was younger and I didn't have quite the vocabulary to be like, I want to be, you know, creatively impacting so, so and so. And again, this was another reason why I am glad that I decided to take the quote unquote conventional path because I don't think I would have had necessarily the words to describe this otherwise. Hey, 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 it's me again. And I just wanted to use this short interlude to ask, how are you enjoying this episode? If you like it, feel free to leave a review, like, and follow this podcast. And if you're really feeling up for it, share your feedback by leaving a comment and share it with people who you know may enjoy this episode as well. And with that being said, back to the episode. Yeah, I love that yours, you, you keep honing in on the fact that it was a good thing for you to take that conventional path because entrepreneurship is very much the sexy thing right now, Yeah, I would say. And I know so many people are like, I don't want to work for anybody. I want to be my own boss. And, and it's like, yes, okay, sure. But there's also so much that you can really gain for that experience if yeah. you just try it out for a little while and like you said at minimum figuring out what you don't want to do mm-hmm. but also like how it shows for you it helped you put words into what you truly like doing exactly and it wasn't just fashion but it was about being creative it was about helping people and those were the things that really I remember you um gave a presentation with Founderland. that's kind <laughs> of what developed your north star right exactly. and helped you kind of always have a direction to which you were following yeah no definitely and I think when to give a little bit of context about the around the North Star thing, um, I hear a lot of people use and, and to okay, let's put it this way. I think a lot of people when they refer to that same concept, they say it's something that's authentic to you or whatever your passion is. And that to me is what I call my North Star because in a way it guides me. I always find my way back to it, even though, let's say, hypothetically, the skies are clouded over, I still use that general sense of direction to navigate. And, you know, as I already talked about, it took me quite some time to quantify exactly what kept me going and what I kept returning to. And I, I, do, I do feel that your North Star or whatever it is you want to call it, it has to be something that comes from within. Because, you know, when you're driven by external factors, I think, sure, it is technically a North Star in the sense that you can follow it, but there, but what to me is so important about a North Star is that it is not, it is a guiding force. It's not a set path. No one is clearing the path for you. No one is like hacking down bushes and trees and whatnot. You still have to do that. Um, it doesn't tell you where to walk. It doesn't, you know, clear the path for you. You still decide the path you take towards it. And that's, for me, the biggest differentiation. And so, you know, I, I hear a lot of people say, oh, I want to be a founder because I want to be financially successful or I want to be my own boss or all of those things, which, by the way, when you're a founder, every, the whole world is your boss. Like, <laughs> you, 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 there is no thing as I want to be my own boss, mm-hmm. <laughs> in my opinion, my very yeah. humble opinion. I mean, you've got a lot of people you need to answer to. Oh, yeah. Like, like your, your employees, your investor, everybody. Oh, God, yeah. Like, yeah. You, are, you are at all of their mercies. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, that's kind of why I 
prefer for myself to call it my North Star because it is something, it is a force. It is more fitting than seeing something like Eyes on the Prize because, you know, it allows me to focus on the direction and, you know, as cliche as it sounds, make the journey part of the process rather than being blinded by the prize and stepping over whoever and whatever it takes. I am more, I am motivated to make the journey itself part of the impact and part of the thing that I want to be doing. And so that was a lo very long-winded way of saying, you know, it's like follow your passions, but with a little bit of an asterisk. Yeah. I, but this makes me really happy because I love when there's like a kind of a key trend. And I talked to a, another founder, Ali, who's the first podcast guest. And he pretty much said the exact same thing that you did, right? He's like, you need to have your intrinsic motivation mm -hmm. because when all else fails, shit hits the fan. That's the one thing that keeps you moving on that path. Definitely. And when you're working for a prize, and I even know this for myself, because that's how I've been pretty much most of my life. There was always something that I was working towards. Mm -hmm. And then when you achieve it, you start working towards the next thing. So you don't actually sit and enjoy what you've achieved. And also at the same time, you kind of feel a little bit empty once you get there. Because yeah. you're like, cool, I got it. But like, but what now? What, what next? Exactly. Yeah. And there's no amount of accolades for whatever I did that would make me really feel that great. Like, of course, in that moment, I was like, cool, did it. But outside yeah. of that, I was like, and? Right. It's like at the, you know, and at the end of uh, Finding Nemo, no spoilers or actually no spoiler alert. <laughs> I mean, it's Sorry, been it's, been, it's been out long enough. So I think we're good here. <laughs> you yeah. know, when they when they, you know, throw themselves out of the dentist window and they all end up in the ocean and they're like still in plastic bags. And you're like, now what? Um, no, I definitely heavily relate to that. And and I think one thing I would add to that as well is again, why I call it a North Star is because, you know, I'm at the risk of sounding like I'm repeating myself. It really makes the journey part of the process. And I think that's really important because when you look at the path around you and when you need to put in the time and effort to figure out what it is that comes next, you cast your net wider and you're able to assess other opportunities that may not have looked like the one that you were really hoping for but will get you closer to your goal or your north star or whatever it is like in the first place because you know if you always wait for the perfect opportunity you, if you wait for the perfect time for the perfect um place you know everything has to line up exactly how you feel like it should yeah then you'll never get started and to me the north the idea of the North Star allows me to take stock of everything that lands on my plate. And I am like, does this get me in the same, does this move me in the same direction? Does this get me closer? Um, what are the things that I might not have otherwise noticed if I don't filter it through that same direction, you know, like delayed gratification in a way, like is doing this thing going to yield impact or knowledge or skills or whatever in ways that I didn't expect. And so, yeah, that that's something that that's really, really important to me. How did you transition out from what I would say is pretty comfortable having a nice salary that you know is going to come to transitioning out into entrepreneurship again? Oh, geez. Um, so honestly, one, I like to call it serendipity. It's probably just recklessness. Uh, <laughs> it's all about perspective. <laughs> exactly, you know. Um, so it really was, it really was one of those things where I, 
as I explained earlier, I kind of took stock of how far the startup scene had really come and evolved. And I decided that with those Im improvements or advancements, so to speak, and also taking into account the fact that I had polished myself a nice shiny steel spine, I was like, okay, I think I'm ready as a person to take something like this on again. And it really was a great timing for, for doing for doing something new and you know the markets were great and you know there was money everywhere and there was a lot of entrepreneurial interest in in the field that I was in so web3 and it was something that I have to admit it was a bit of a perfect place at the perfect time kind of thing okay. but what really kept me grounded instead of trying to chase the so-called hype bubble was really focusing on the same things that make something great. I was like, what is it that makes something sticky? What is it that makes something successful? Yeah. And in the same way that people should have North Stars, companies should have one as well. And I spent a lot of time drawing parallels to what I felt like was the direction for the company and how it mirrored the journey I wanted to go on. And so in a way I said yes, because partially I was like, no matter what the outcome of this is, it will still move me towards this idea of me wanting to impact something creatively. Yeah. And may I just jump in really quickly sure. with a follow-up question? Um, would you mind just giving context around what exactly that business was oh, yeah. that you were working on? What we did was we worked with, it was an art tech company, and we worked with blue chip galleries and artists around the world to authenticate their physical artworks using blockchain. And how it worked was that we essentially, you know, for every limited edition or one of one piece, we would mint accordingly a digital certificate of authenticity. And so it was really, you know, us trying to look at problems within the art world I'm sure everyone knows about the Rothko scam or like just the fact that a lot of art collectibles on the market are counterfeits in the same way that sneakers a lot of sneakers are counterfeits and so we just looked at that problem reverse engineered a solution which was we're like hey you know given the transparency and like provenance and all of these kinds of things that are important in the art space can we replicate that in a technological way and the answer was yes and we kind of stumbled onto the answer before the hype bubble really began. And so it was, it, I, I don't think anything is ever perfect because in the beginning we actually were starting to run into issues. This was within the first year of operations. We were starting to run into concerns and worries that people had no idea what we were talking about because they were like blockchain, don't know, don't know her. And then, you know, within a month, or so after we had that last conversation of, oh God, like what is, go what is gonna happen? Is this gonna take off? And suddenly, you know, Beeple sells his NFT for $69 million and the whole world wants to talk to us. Mm -hmm. And in a way, if we hadn't focused on laying the groundwork beforehand, we wouldn't have been in, the in this position yeah. to capitalize on that next opportunity and so on and so forth. And these kind of things kind of keep happening. Um, but what I still, don't fully understand is still that convincing yourself to go back into entrepreneurship again you did say you <laughs> polished your steel spine 
but how did you convince yourself to forego your salary? <laughs> the li- like, it's a, it's a, it sounds like a sacrifice mm-hmm. and it sounds like a big deal. Like I know for me, that's probably would be the, one of the biggest choices. And for me to be the financial impact. How is that for you? <laughs> I mean, I, I am very, very lucky that, you know, we had a good amount of savings and, you know, as much as my parents and I, or mostly them <laughs> get confused over my willingness to jump into the fire again and again. Um, I know that I am very lucky to have support regardless. And so this is also something that I don't take for granted. And this is also why, you know, I'm, I'm very excited and passionate about empowering other entrepreneurs to be able to get one step closer. And, you know, since we're on this topic, a big, a big motivation behind me wanting to build Star Cycle was being aware that the founding journey is hard enough as it is. And, you know, safety nets look different for different people, but it goes without saying that a lot of people don't have those. And so how do you, you know, while recognizing that, how do you still get more people to take that leap? And in my opinion, empowering someone is to give them the knowledge to do something and give them the resources to do something and again resources take many different shapes and forms and while i may not be in the position to donate six billion dollars to solve world hunger um i i can and i do support where i can with my time with the limited amount of capital that i am able to back certain founders and certain companies and more importantly, building the tools to help them succeed. And so that is always kind of full circle for me. So to actually answer your question, I am just very reckless. To be <laughs> Fair enough. I, mean, <laughs> I think there has to be a little bit of that to be a founder, though, yeah. because your journey is so full of uncertainty, so full of uncertainty. You have to be OK with what you don't know you have to be okay with the uncomfortable and also at the same time you do need to be a bit reckless because i feel like anyone in their right mind would be like why would i forego something completely stable to go do this where we look statistically speaking it's it is there's chances are it's not going to succeed right but nevertheless people still do it um and there's a beauty to the recklessness as well and i think it takes a certain personality also to do that as well so props to you <laughs> for that for any investors listening i am reckless but i am also very diligent exactly <laughs> she she gets her work done <laughs> like, top your last company didn't exactly go the way that you wanted to yeah um how did you cope with that first of all what do you mean it didn't go the way you wanted it to but then also how did you cope with that geez um heavy <laughs> i know this is this is something that we we've talked about quite often and i'm i'm so glad you asked this again because it's as you as you know and I, i've always wanted to to be more public about failure because i don't think as women especially we talk about failure enough you know we have to be perfect but it has to be effortless because if you let that mass slip then we're weak and ungrateful, but at the same time, it's disingenuous to think it's smooth sailing. And so, it's rough. <laughs> oh God, yeah, like, it's tough. Geez. Oh so it again, I want to caveat that of course failure looks different for everyone, as just as much as success does. So in my context, have I failed? Yes. Yeah. Um, have I struggled way more than I'd like to admit? 
And that's, I think, the bittersweet thing about being an entrepreneur is you, you really do leave a piece of yourself in whatever it is that you build. And the that's hard, though. That's heavy. Yeah. And the highs are euphoric, right? Because yeah. they are literally a part of you. But then the lows are also equally horrendous. It's, I guess, it's like a horcrux. It sustains you, but mm. it can also kill you. Okay. I mean, it's a little, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but I think the reason, so to give a little bit of context, we, at, as I mentioned, at our peak, we were roughly 20, 25 people. We were negotiating, we were months into negotiating like a potential exit, you know, the dream of entry of entrepreneur, For right? Sure. An exit to a dream team. Mm-hmm. Um, in my case, the potential exit had been on literally the, my vision board since I joined the company. I was like, oh, wow. we were discussing our ambitions as a co-founding team. I, and I had named them as one of the places I wanted to end up. And I was like, that's, those are our people. And so when they approached us, that was, you know, dream come true, except, you know, I guess we flew a little Close too close to the sun, perhaps, because negotiations stalled and eventually they pulled back because of market conditions. And my goodness, it was absolutely crushing, you know, to be so close and yet so far away. And, you know, everything about me, about, you know, being a woman, being an entrepreneur, being someone who spends a ridiculous amount of time in her own head. I immediately went to seeing this outcome as an abject failure. You know, it was immediately like, what didn't I see? Why didn't I see it? Why? Mm. How could I possibly fumble so close to the finish line? That's a um, lot to take on to yourself. Was it because I laughed at this particular joke? Was it because I didn't laugh hard enough? Was it, you know, maybe because I used, I didn't express myself well enough or, you know, and all of those kinds of things. And I feel like this feeling is something that a lot of people can relate to perhaps because yeah. it is... For people who are passionate about what they do, you you always leave your a piece of a little piece of yourself behind. Whether it's it could be something like a creative brief for a client, or mm-hmm. trying to start a podcast, or <laughs> um, submitting, let's say, a, a proposal or or an application for a grant. You're like, should I have negotiated harder? Should I was I not good enough to get accepted for that grant? Why didn't I do X, Y, or Z in this client meeting? If I had said this or that, would that have changed their mind? And you kind of just go through that entire spiral. And so, you know, I, I won't lead you through that whole spiral, but I think when it comes to failure, we women really just have to give ourselves more grace to fail. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And that's hard to do, though. God. Because I know for myself, I take everything on me. I'm like, (laughs) like, and it it could be so many external factors in it, but I'm like, well, if I would have just done that one thing, yeah, everything could have been different. So, I mean, no need to lead through the spiral. But my question is, how do you pick yourself up from such a spiral? How do you how do you get your legs back walking again and moving and moving on time? Okay. And allowing myself to That's a very feel. unsexy answer. I know, it really is. <laughs> um, go to therapy. <laughs> I highly recommend it. Um, you know, honestly, sex, sexy or unsexy as, as it is, time and, and distance. And allowing myself to feel all of those things and knowing that my emotions, whatever they are, are valid. Mm. And 
So it sounds you, like you had a proper grieving process. Yeah, it really yeah. is. It really is grieving. Um, you know, the company is still operational. One, mm-hmm. we essentially handed the reins back to our CEO, who has decided to take it in more of like a more direct B2B kind of situation where he's working directly with the galleries. And so a lot of the high growth things that I had joined with the ambition to build, that was kind of put on hold for the moment. So I decided it was time for me to step aside. Mm -hmm. And, you know, processing the reality of that versus the dream that I had for it and allowing myself to feel those feelings and, go through the process of forgiving or releasing myself because there's no necessary, you know, understanding that there's nothing necessarily that bears on me that could have, that I could have necessarily avoided. Mm -hmm. Of course, I did also take the time to do a little postmortem process for myself where I took myself through an 18 page questionnaire that I wrote for myself, by the way. Um, to examine every nitty gritty part of the business like it i me asking myself what were my expectations for this particular team what were the outcomes of that how could i have done that better um what were the things i observed that i didn't take seriously enough and all those things and like being able to do that process for myself really really helped and of course i had a therapist who helped me work through my feelings my incredible husband my amazing friends who love me and see me my beautiful dogs my co-founders my my village, right? Like yeah. no one is self-made. I am not self-made. I don't know how else I would have gotten through it without them. Shout out to also Bonanza Coffee Roasters. <laughs> they power me every single day. This is not a sponsored advertisement. I just love them. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but, you know, and also in a way releasing myself as much as possible yeah. from the burdens that women are socialized to carry we are held accountable for everything around us the actions yeah. of men the actions of other people or if things don't go well it's because this it's not because you know something else happened it's because of us but mm-hmm. and it, but it's also because we weren't exactly able to twist ourselves exactly into the right knot that that particular thing required which by the way is different from the last time that thing happened it is a different knot and so understanding and releasing myself from that was also a big part of the process. And I just really try to, you know, or I guess throughout this whole journey, I was trying to come back a lot to my North Star and understanding that and taking stock of this journey, how, where did it lead me? Did it get me closer? And the answer was yes. Has it prepared me for my next move? The answer was yes. And again, taking the time to be able to go through all of these things and reframe the process as growth and understanding and grace rather than bitterness and resentment. And finally, a huge, huge, giant shout out to the team that we had built, who Mm -hmm. even though none of this had ended up in the way exactly as we had hoped or wanted that they also showed an incredible amount of grace towards us the founders and towards themselves and I honestly genuinely am so deeply grateful for every single one of them 
Wow. That's a lot. Because <laughs> I, the reason I say it's a lot is because, yeah, it's true. And I mean, it, it has me reflecting on myself and this feeling of, I always have to do things perfectly and yeah. I always have to be the best. And it's exhausting. Oh God. It, it is. is so exhausting, especially yeah. when things don't work out that way. And I'm so glad that you got through that because that's incredibly heavy. And I actually can imagine that such kind of an experience would stop many people yeah. from taking that path again. Yeah. Um, but you continue to persevere <laughs> and well, you've got the resilience at this point. It's stubbornness <laughs> <laughs> to kind of round out the conversation of everything that we've spoken about. Um, one, is there anything that you really want everyone to take away, but also at the same time, kind of looking back on your entire journey, what would you kind of say is like that one thing that you would give advice to your younger self about? Hmm. I would say, you know, keep showing up mm. and, you know, send that follow up email, try something new, say yes to something that scared you. And honestly, learn how to ask the right questions because things have a funny way of revealing themselves to you when you know exactly which door to knock on. Mm. And, you know, I have been very lucky to have people in my life, mentors, teachers, all of those people who helped me ask the right questions or gave me the answers even though I didn't exactly know what question I was asking. But every, every experience, within reason, but every experience leaves you a changed person. Mm. And try to be open to a patchwork, patchwork of experiences rather than siloing yourself to exactly the perfect thing, the perfect job title, the perfect cap table, the perfect whatever it is. Um, life is messy. I'm saying this as if I don't struggle with this, but life is messy mm -hmm. and you, you have to embrace it, especially as an entrepreneur, like that server will die on you. You know, that <laughs> like on, like when you hit deploy, something in your code is going to break. Um, Always. <laughs> you, you think you you have that LOI and you think everything is unlocked. Just kidding. And um, I think it is especially for founders, but really for anyone, like if you're able to dust yourself off, you can wallow in your misery for a bit, but dust yourself off and come back. And yeah. just, you would be surprised at how far coming back, showing up, being persistent, maybe being a little reckless, how far they can get you. Yeah. I, you know, 1000%, 1000% um, true. I, one of the things I think was the biggest eye opener for me um, after finishing my bachelor's was mm -hmm. the real world. Yeah. I think it was the first time, despite the fact that I moved to Germany on my own at 18, mm -hmm. there was something about once I finished my master's and I truly felt like I was on my own where that's when I realized that life is really messy. Mm -hmm. And that was a hard reality for me to grasp. Even just understanding the way people operate, that like things are not always roses and peaches. People are not always nice. Yeah. Like if, if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. I say yeah. this, I think I've said this on like all three episodes now, but 
literally it, it's just is how it is and mm-hmm. the moment you put out one dumpster fire i think i you told me this right you put out one <laughs> dumpster fire the next one starts like life is full of dumpster fires and it's just a matter of figuring out which one you want to put out first credit to <laughs> credit to one of my mentors karen who granted me this beautiful piece of advice because i yeah. actually asked her this question when i was about to embark on my second founding journey so yeah. my last venture and I said, if there was something that you wish you could have told yourself, what would it be? And she, and she said exactly what you just said back to me, which mm-hmm. was, there will be dumpster fires. The trick is figuring out which one to put out and letting, sometimes you just have to let them burn. There you have it, folks. Life is messy and sometimes you just have to let those dumpster fires burn. But remember, keep showing up. And with that being said, thank you for tuning in for this episode of On the Up and Up. And if you haven't already, let me know what you think by leaving a comment, liking or following this podcast, or reaching out to me directly via email at janine at ogneyupandup.io. Until next time, onwards and upwards, y'all. Speak to you then.